All right, let me tell you about our uh, spotlight sponsor this uh, this half hour. It's AMAC, A-M-A-C. If you're thinking about joining a, uh, a group because, you know, you're over 50 and you want some of the discounts and everything else, uh, you can join a lot of different things. There is one group that you can join that actually stands with the values that you were raised on and you believe in, and that's AMAC. They have been fighting this machine. Honestly, I was there when they first started, uh, and they started because they saw what the uh, what the uh, seniors group uh, that everybody knows uh, was doing with Obamacare and just sell, just throwing old people underneath the bus, and they they couldn't take it and they were like we have got to do something and uh, and have somebody represent you know conservatives and people who believe in freedom and and you know medicare to, and medical uh, care being you know a an actual commodity not a right they've been fighting and fighting and fighting and there is strength and power in numbers and they are growing every day i urge you to join them now the the benefits are great but the cause is even greater join now at amac.us slash back amac.us slash back amac is better better for you and better for america America and welcome. We're glad you're here. We have a big update on the Great Reset. Anybody who has told you that's just a conspiracy theory, it's not going to go anywhere. Let me tell you what they just did in Europe. Uh, what they just passed in the EU is going to affect every American and every American business. It is here and you need to know about it. That's coming up. Also, we look at the week in the media and the game that they play we help you decode that also there's a great new book out called the devil's hand uh i wanted to get the writer on jack carr because he's more than just a uh, thriller writer he is also a guy who has some seal experience has a really good handle on where the world is going so we want to talk to him about devil's hand but we also want to talk to him about all of the other things that are happening all around the world that he has he has a, a special insight on jack carr we begin there in 60 seconds the glenn beck program so when you when i say real estate agent the first word that the first word that should pop into your head is like reliable if it's not and you hear real estate agent and you're like jerk failure you break out in sweat. You're thinking, my cousin Bob, whatever it is that pops into your head, unless it's reliable, good, got the job done, you need realestateagentsitrust.com. This is a free service to you. We've gone out. We were working with the 500 best um, real estate agents in the country, according to the Wall Street Journal, and I've learned a lot from them, including how to judge a real estate agent. So a lot of these guys of the 500 are in this network with us. Um, 
And uh, I think they all actually, I think most, most if all not, uh, are, um, at least the ones that are fans of the program. And uh, we are thrilled to be able to pass their names and numbers on to you. The, we have searched the entire country and we have looked for the ones with the best record on the things that we're looking for, the things that actually make a difference. If you just email realestateagentsitrust.com and say, hey, listen, I'm selling my house here. I'm buying a house here. We can get you the right real estate agent in both areas. And when I say the right real estate agent, the one who has the track record uh, of being the best seller in the area or the one who has a track record of really knowing how much houses should go for, they can really negotiate, get you that house. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Free service to you, realestateagentsitrust.com. We welcome, I believe for the first time to the program, author of The Devil's Hand and The Terminal List, uh, which uh, The Terminal List is being uh, adapted into an Amazon Prime series with uh, Chris Pratt, which, I mean, that's that's kind of a good cast call there. Uh, Jack Carr is the author, and welcome to the program, Jack. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. When you were... When you were uh, uh, writing terminal list did you did you know that you thought this is going to be a big big deal and when you got chris well, pratt i mean that's fantastic <laughs> yeah I'm a, I'm a child of the 80s so uh, as i was writing the character it's hard not to think of someone playing that character in the movie because as you grow up reading all these novels and expecting to one day write novels like that yourself you just picture it going to the big screen. Uh, of course, yeah. streaming services didn't exist back then, and that's an option now. But as I was writing, I thought of Chris Pratt playing the role. And Did so you really? And it's completely surreal that now, it's, as I started writing it in December of 2014, and then he optioned wow. it in uh, January of 2018 before it even hit shelves. So uh, yeah, completely uh, surreal to me. I have, uh, I've seen him uh, do a couple of posts where he's just you know in his car, and he's like, this is going to be amazing. Going to be amazing. Uh, <laughs> It's, it's really pretty cool. It's, it's pretty it's cool. cool. I, I really like him. Yeah, yeah he's great. And he's a, such a nice person. Uh, Antoine Fuqua is directing. who did Training Day, Tears of the Sun, Magnificent Seven, Equalizer. And I was on set mm. last week, and there's 350 people out there working on this thing. Uh, and it's Jeez. like a military operation with craft food services, you know, logistics, feeding the Army. You have Antoine up there as the commanding officer. Chris is like mm. the platoon commander setting the tone, the weapons guy, the explosives guy, uh, like transportation. <laughs> it's just like a military operation. And, and uh, mm. yeah, I couldn't be more thrilled. Tell me about the devil's hand that's just come out. Yes, yeah, so this is the fourth one in the series, and for this one, I really wanted to take a breath and put myself in the enemy's shoes because I thought about that a lot while I was in the SEAL teams, and I continue to think about it today as an author and a citizen. Uh, the enemy has had 20 years almost to look at our cards if we're playing poker, look at how we're playing those cards, and then take those lessons and apply them to a future game. So I, I asked myself, what if I was Iran, China? North Korea, Russia, a super empowered individual, a terrorist organization. What would I have learned from this last 20 years and what would I apply going forward? So that formed the basis. But then when I outlined this in August of 2019, the catalyst that moves the plot forward is a bioweapon attack. So when COVID hit, I was deep into the research on infectious diseases, mm -hmm. the weaponization of infectious diseases, the history. Uh, so I was hypersensitive to that when it hit, and it became a much more timely novel than I initially mm -hmm. thought at the outset. 
what have they learned? You know, I started reading this uh, last night, so I haven't gotten very far. Uh, apologize for that. But I uh, started reading it last night, and I was so intrigued because I think you're. Uh, this is why I love action f- uh, fiction writers is you you have to take things that are real. And up until recently, you know, fiction has to make sense uh, and has to feel like it actually could happen. But in today's world, absolutely anything could happen. Elephants. It could rain elephants today. And I'd go, huh, didn't see that coming, but okay. Uh, um, uh, what did they learn from us and our yeah, reaction? Exactly it right there. Sure. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's a lot harder today uh, because if you were to write some of the things that happened over the last year and a half, uh, ten years ago, people would think it was science fiction, uh, not Mm -hmm. just fiction. But so in looking at our response to COVID with the basis of the novel being what the enemy is learning from us and how they are adapting, when COVID hit, once again, they are learning from our response to COVID, a summer of civil unrest that continues today. They're learning from that a very contentious political season and election cycle. They are certainly learning from that, but specifically to the bioweapon side of the house, when they look at infection rates and mortality rates as they pertain to COVID and see what we did to ourselves um, with something that has uh, a 0.003-ish type of mortality rate, well, what if something has, which do exist out there, bioweapons with an 85%, 90% mortality rate? Just imagine what we would do. So that really, uh, that really formed the basis of this novel. And now, of course, people are more in tune with that and can see, oh, we shut down the country for something that's killing X number of people. What will we do if it kills the Y number of people going forward? So the enemy's definitely taking notes here. When you, when you look at uh, what's going on, um, I feel like we're living in a in an action thriller right now with the intrigue that is happening with the deep state uh, and the the games that are played in Washington and not really knowing who's in charge, you know, at times and the radicals that are happening and the, the protests in the street. And it's not a coincidence. And then, you know, with the Great Reset, these corporations coming out and colluding with one another to, you know, help move things along. It, it is like we're living in a, I, I, I don't even know, but a combination of uh, one of your books and some, you know, awful dystopian Huxley book. It really is. And it's, uh, they're certainly giving me a lot to work with in the, uh, in the thriller genre, that's for sure. And in the military, we talk about walking into an L ambush, um, like you walk, online or L. Those are the two types of basic ambushes from the beginning of time. And essentially, we're walking right into an L ambush with big What's tech on L- one side, big government on the other side. So an L ambush would be, so instead of like right across the street from each other, shooting at someone in the middle where you, yeah. where you can kill each other, an L, so you're not uh, your fields of fire don't don't hit uh, the, the people you don't want to, but put this massive volley of fire down on whoever walks into that L. Um, wow. So that's what we're doing right now. We're walking right into this L, uh, and there's almost there's hard there's not much that we can do about it because those because big big government has so much control, and they're uh, they're right there hand in hand with big tech who controls all that information, and we just continue to walk right into it. Um, so the problem I ran into when I got to about October November last year, being in the enemy's shoes for over a year, I thought oh my goodness, I have a problem here. If I was the enemy, I might just watch from the outside. I don't need to do anything because we're doing a pretty good job of tearing ourselves apart from the inside out here. So I had to figure that out, which I, which I did. But, um, but in reality, we are doing a really good job of doing the enemy's job for them right now. 
I uh, I will tell you that I've, I've said for a long time, there's going to come a time when all of our enemies uh, will see the same moment and they'll all say, now, go, 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 go. Um, because we are, we're doing all of the work and they're just waiting for that moment. Do you, do you think we're close to that moment, Jack? That's exactly right. And, that, and the real question is when that moment, and that's what they're asking themselves too, because uh, this, is, this is new territory, but they tend to think obviously in terms of uh, eons almost, at least let's say centuries, yeah. uh, what we yeah. think in terms of these four-year election cycles, maybe eight for the real deep thinkers among us. Um, but they can bide their time. They can be patient. They study their history, which is something we do not do and something our elected officials uh, and our senior military leaders do not do for some reason. They don't put the time, energy, and effort into studying the past to make good decisions going forward uh, based on wisdom. So uh, the enemy has has the advantage in that respect, no doubt about it. When you look at China, uh, uh, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they said, Stop calling China a rising power. It's a risen power. And uh, until you understand the power that they currently hold, you won't be able to see what's right around the corner. And they, we were talking about Taiwan, and they asked me if I thought, you know, the American government and the American people would support protecting Taiwan. And I'm like, no, I don't think so at all. I don't think the government Will, I don't I, I don't think this administration, I think just Taiwan, just see ya. Do you think I'm right or wrong on that? I think you're right, because most people, much like back in the days when people when we started going to Vietnam, uh, people said, where is that? Even today, Taiwan, right. where is that uh, for most people? Um, I've been to Taiwan. I've been to, to mainland China. Uh, I've studied a bit of that history, um, probably just enough to be dangerous. But uh, that's why travel is so important and studying history is so important. And today, there's so many distractions out there for these kids coming up today. Uh, back, let's say, in the 80s, 90s, you could read a book. You could watch a movie. You could wait for your show to come on TV. You could go outside, maybe play Atari 2600. Today, there are so many distractions, and most of those distractions are divisive in nature. Um, and I think that is by design. So uh, we're definitely not getting any brighter um, and any more wise as a, as a public and as a population. So uh, I, I, hate, I hate being a pessimist here, but it's hard to fi- it's hard to find that hope when you look right. when you're looking forward, especially when you're basing uh, your analysis on what's going on right now. When you look, because you have so much military experience, being SEALs and everything else, um, when you look at uh, China and then you look at the United States military, and especially with the leadership we have now, and you know all the things that are going on in our military, um, how long before? we are in a situation to where we're we're an even match is that still a long way away or oh i think it's pretty close um especially when our focus has been elsewhere uh and usually depending on who's in charge whatever they're studying whatever they've uh their experience has been in the past that's kind of the boogeyman in the closet so if they're focused yeah. on iran for most of their time in the military that's that's the big threat if they're focused on russia for most of their time in the military then that's the main threat um it's because they have this personal connection to it and they can speak on them uh on those so china can look at our experience in iraq they can look at our experience in afghanistan they can see the distraction um, they can see how we were bogged down because of changing, uh, changing goals, changing goalposts, goal lines, um, and how we just stayed mirrored down in these areas. And they're taking notes. They can see, they know exactly uh, if, if that day of confrontation comes, they know exactly what they need to do uh, to bog us down and to, uh, and to win.
Um, one last question. I think that I read this morning that Russia is backing away from the Ukrainian border, which surprised me. Um, what are you seeing on the with the NATO front in Ukraine and Russia? Well, NATO has been uh, essentially a non-entity for for quite some time now, right. um, especially with new members, which uh, just confuses the the, the entire um, uh, well. Why? I mean, (laughs) why would you say that? (laughs) It's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, let me know how you have, uh, yeah, access and allies mixed together, uh, essentially trying to to figure out a a solution when not everybody's on the the same page, not everybody believes in the the same uh, foundational, uh, uh, foundational liberty. Uh, So, it is a tough one. That is for sure. But I would guess that anything that Russia does, um, we have to look at them as uh, I mean, essentially they're, they're magicians and they're distracting you with one hand while they're doing something else with the other. Yeah. That's the best way to look what, 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 what Russia is doing, particularly in regards to the Ukraine. Well, best of luck on uh, terminal list. I, I can't wait to see it. I mean, I I love Chris Pratt and I think this audience loves Chris Pratt. Uh, he's one of the good guys and he's a great funny actor and uh and just a great hero on screen uh terminal list uh will be on uh, amazon the uh devil's hand just came out april 13th jack carr thank you so much god bless uh, thank you so much for having me take care you bet uh, it's jack carr by the way uh Stu, you do commercials for terminal list right i do yes Okay, so I just want to make that disclosure. Uh, on the blaze. It had nothing to do yep. with the interview, but uh, Stu, is, uh, Stu does uh, live reads for the Terminal List on Blaze TV. You know, their new book is, uh, the new book is out in the series. And, I mean, you know, look, the Chris Pratt series is a great way to understand how good this is, right? They're not going to throw Chris. Chris Pratt's not going to just do no. some series at this point in his career. No, no. Um, All right. Let me tell you a little bit about Goldline. Let me see. I just had to move a lot of stuff today on the economy. And I just uh, because we're not going to have time. Inflation is coming. Inflation is coming. Uh, And it's coming barreling at us. And when you start to have velocity of money, when people start to spend money, it's going to happen overnight. Uh, you're already seeing prices rise uh, through the roof. You haven't seen anything yet. Now, I buy gold for um, uh, not an investment, but for a world gone mad. So I have something left in the end. But really, gold is an investment, but it is also the greatest hedge against inflation. So when inflation hits, your your gold your your money is stored in gold which goes up as the value of your dollar goes down that's why gold is so important as the value of the dollar goes down gold goes up um and i i highly recommend it please do your homework everything that i have talked to you about for the last 25 years it's here now it's here these are the days so please do the things that you have to do to batten down the hatches so you're ready. Uh, look into inflation. Just Google inflation. Go to Shadow Stats. I think it's shadowstats.org. And look at the way we used to uh, track inflation. And what's the inflation right now? It's actually, if it was the 1980s, we would be saying today it's 9%. That's, that's not good. 
And the Fed has no place to go to to control it. So please call Goldline today. They're waiting for your call. Don't do anything today. Just get the information uh, and and do your own homework. Right now, they're offering 6% in free metals delivered directly to your door with qualifying self-directed IRA orders. If you have a retirement account, make sure you ask them about this. They're waiting to hear from you now. 866-GOLDLINE, 866-GOLDLINE, or goldline.com. 10 seconds, station ID. I've got to give um, a kind of a decoder ring to you on uh, some of the media that was happening this week. Uh, I'm going to show you little subtle things that they did in one report that you need to you need to be able to uh, understand. I'll give you the decoder ring and then you may understand the news a little bit uh, a little bit better. I have that coming up. Also, some very important news on Great Reset. Uh, what happened in Europe this week is really going to affect you and your life. But I saw this story and I um, I found it interesting. According to news.com.au uh, Australia, the celebrity television psychic Maurice Amdur has filed a lawsuit after claiming getting hit by a car caused him to lose his psychic powers. According to Amdur, the accident also left him unable to hold down a girlfriend because it supposedly rendered him impotent. Now, the judge has listened to this. Help me out with this one, Stu. The judge threw out his claim that he couldn't work as a mystic for two years after his accident, claiming that it had been undermined by, quote, fundamental dishonesty. Now, the dishonesty, apparently, is that he did a couple of readings over the last few years. So she didn't believe that he <laughs> she didn't believe that he had lost his psychic powers. <laughs> wow. I mean, that's this, the legal system for you. <laughs> this, I mean, holy cow. You know what? I'm not saying that you're a fraud. But you were using your psychic powers. And I don't know if I can trust you because you said you lost your psychic powers. But your psychic powers came back these two times. So what was what was happening there? Might be easier I, to just be honest and just call them a fraud. Yeah. I mean, look, yeah. you're a psychic. You're a fraud. Okay? <laughs> I just... <laughs> case closed. Case and, closed. And that's not to judge all the good psychics out there in the audience. No, of course of not. There's tons of good. And they're all great and talented yes. in their own special way. Miss Cleo, she's... This is the Glenn Beck Program. American Financing, NMLS, 182334, <laughs> www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. I believe we have Miss Cleo on the phone right now, because uh, I was thinking about getting uh, some psychic uh, advice on my home loan. Uh, do we have Miss Cleo on the... <laughs> I don't remember what Miss Cleo sounds like, frankly. It's Nobody a- does. Nobody does. Now you've wrecked it because now everybody knows that it's not really going to be Miss Cleo. They were going to be shocked. They were going to be like, oh yeah. my God, is that really Miss Cleo? I love Cleo? doing this. I love doing this to Stu Dalton, without any preparation. Miss <laughs> Cleo, you're on with us. Welcome. I'm seeing a mortgage in your life. That's what I'm seeing. 
That's right. Wasn't she Low like interest rates. Jamaican or yeah, something? Yeah, she might have been. Yeah, she might have been. I yeah. can't remember. Anyway, you don't need a psychic to tell you what is coming. What you need to do is prepare and get the lowest interest rates locked down for your home, uh, for uh, your credit cards. Get, roll that into your mortgage without resetting your mortgage. Get out of those high interest credit cards because it's going to get much, much worse soon and pay them off. Go to AmericanFinancing.net. AmericanFinancing.net. Hi, this is Miss Cleo, and I just want oh to remind gosh. you to go yeah. to blazetv.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn for $10 Wait. off your subscription. I thought you were Jamaican. Hey, the uh, BLM activists uh, in Columbus have uh, decided... You shoot us, we shoot you. It's an eye for an eye now in Columbus, which has got to make... Where's the police union? Got to make uh, all the cops feel good and uh, feel safe about helping anybody and everybody uh, now. Congratulations on that, Columbus. You've got to stop this madness, this madness that is, uh, that's going on. Of course, now, Joy Behar, she had a pretty good idea. Um, she said this yesterday. This is what it looked like to me, and I've looked at the tape, and I still can't figure it out. Mm. Um, but let me comment Shoot the on gun it. in the air as a warning. Tase no. a person. Shoot them in the leg. Shoot them in the behind. No. No. You know, stop them somehow. But if the only solution is to kill the, a teenager, there's something wrong with this. There's something yeah. very, very wrong yeah, with the yeah, way yeah. these things are being conducted. Even if the cop mm-hmm, had to mm-hmm. do it, there's something wrong with it. Right, right. What's wrong with it, Stu? What's wrong with it? Even if the cop had to shoot a teenager, had to, there's something wrong with it. What do you think that is, Stu? Just noodle that for a sec. Just help me out. Well, I would say that Yes, there's something wrong with it. No one wants a teenager to die. However, the yeah, actions yeah. of the officer, given the context, were appropriate. No one's saying it was a wonderful outcome. No one's excited that this is how right. it turned out. It was just so, the appropriate way for it to t- turn out, considering she was trying to stab somebody. So, what, so what's wrong with it, Stu? What's wrong with it? Uh, uh, well, there's a, there's a sickness per, permeating our society that... Uh, <laughs> that uh, includes people stabbing each other when they're in their teens. I mean, right down the street, there was another stabbing uh, where one the one of the one teenager killed another teenager. That there was no cop for that one, so it's not being reported. Oddly, it's not being it's not being uh, obsessed about uh, mm. in uh, in media. But you know, I you know which one's a better outcome. The one where the victim of the stabbing dies, or the one who is trying to stab the other person dies. Yep. Okay, I want to sh- I want to show you how to decode some things here, real quick. Um, yesterday, I played a news report from NPR on this shooting. It was up first. I can't take it anymore. Why? My tax dollars are paying for. It. I I don't subscribe. Well, actually, I do. Crap. I don't want to subscribe to the New York Times and help pay for that. Uh, and it's my choice to do that. But it's not my choice to help pay for npr that those tax dollars just go to npr and they are becoming radical yesterday i played this report from up first and it was their coverage uh on the shooting of makia bryant in columbus and uh their report made my inner gandhi flee uh he ran 
he ran. And I don't know if you saw Gandhi. He's not a fast runner, but he ran fast away from me on that report. And here's why I want to bring this up, because I think it is a it, it, let me give you a decoder ring, because this is happening everywhere. NPR is a legacy media organization, which thinks it's the guardians of truth and journalism. Now, remember, they're the ones that wouldn't even report on the Hunter Biden laptop because it was a Russian operative. Um, Instead of the truth, what they have done uh, just in this one report was just the advancing of a predetermined narrative, okay, which is does nothing but rip us apart further every, every day. Now, let me break down a few highlights of the report, and you'll see what I mean. Near the beginning, they mention that the Columbus Police Department released the 911 calls from Makia Bryant case. But they don't play any of those. They don't say what was in those calls. Do you know what was in those calls? There's not even a hint that it might be important to the story. Here's what they didn't tell you. In the 911 call to police in Columbus, a woman calls up, tells the dispatcher that, quote, someone is trying to stab us. So when the police are coming, you remember I said just uh, when it first happened, I don't even know if I would have seen the knife. I stand by that. However, if I'm a trained police officer, I'm not going with the same information that Glenn Beck is going with. I've been told by the dispatch. In this particular case, the officer was told the 911 call came in saying someone is trying to stab us. So they are alert for a knife and someone trying to stab other people. In the 911 call, you can hear screaming in the background. Then, in a second 911 call, another woman says, you've got to come to the neighborhood. Help us. Okay. So it's not like this was a patrol. uh, And it's not like you shouldn't reference more than just that they released the 911 call. That was a cover their ass thing. We talked about the 911 call. Yes, but you didn't put it into context or say anything about it other than it had been released. Now, the NPR uh, report continues. Protesters marched in Columbus, Ohio, after an officer shot a 16-year-old girl. Then they immediately cut to protesters chanting, she was a child, she was a child. Then the host says, she was involved in a fight on Tuesday. Now, when I think of a girl, and I think of a fight, I don't think of a girl throwing another girl um, against a car, holding a knife above her head, and says, I'm going to stab the S out of you, bitch. That's not a girl fight. Okay? I didn't, in my day, they didn't even fight like that on Dynasty. That's not a 16-year-old girl fight. Well, she was involved in a fight on Tuesday. It makes it sound like a little playground scuffle. They don't mention that Bryant was swinging a knife at people until later in the report. The report goes on. Body cam footage shows Officer Nick, uh, Nicholas Reardon, who's been on the force just since December of 2019, pulled up and getting out of the car. Now, what's wrong with a statement like that, kids? Let's use critical thinking. 
Where did NPR go wrong here? One small word word with giant implications. And that one word is just. The implication clearly being he's only been on the force for a little over a year. So this is a rookie mistake. This is a cop who just didn't know what he was doing. Apparently, again, so far NPR doesn't have a problem with a teenage girl trying to stab another person. The problem is with the cop. Then comes the worst part of the report. The host said, are there any other incidents that make people concerned in Columbus? So now we haven't put this into context. We've talked about a little fight. We've talked about an inexperienced cop. And now, just to go for the throat, let's put into question the entire force in Columbus. The reporter answers, yeah, matter of fact. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah, there have been quite a number. Now, listen to this. This is a quote. There's been quite a number. The Columbus Dispatch reports there have been five killings of black people by police just since May. Now, that's bad, right? Well, is it? I mean, it's bad when anyone dies. But were those racist police officers mowing down black people? Is that what happened in Columbus? Especially the 23-year-old. 23-year-old was killed in Columbus in his doorway. Okay, well, I'd like to know about that story. Now, this case is still under investigation, so the details are slim, but the officer shot Casey Goodson Jr., who was working at the time with the U.S. Marshals Fugitive Task Force on an unrelated investigation. There's no body cam footage because the task force officers are not issued any body cams. But during the task force operation, the officer reported seeing Goodson with a gun and investigated. The police officer says there was a verbal exchange. The officer says Goodson ignored his commands to drop the gun, at which point the officer shot him. Okay, don't know if that's good or bad. Don't know that story. There's no uh, camera coverage. So let that be adjudicated. But NPR didn't think that that was important at all. It didn't serve the narrative. White police officers in Columbus hunt down black people, and they've killed five blacks just since May. All right. The December killing of a 47-year-old man that NPR mentioned in the story that one does appear to be troublesome for the officer involved. He failed to turn in his body, ca- turn on his body camera, which is a problem. So there aren't many details. He is responding to a non-emergency call after 1 a.m. He claims he thought Andre Hill was a potential burglar with a gun. Hill turned out to be unarmed. But again, we don't know. And NPR provides zero context. They could have said killed five people. Two of them are still uh, loose with the details. We don't really know what happened. But the five, the five killings mentioned by NPR. Earlier this month, Miles Jackson, a 27-year-old, was found unconscious, uh, unconscious in his vehicle. This is one of the five that NPR mentioned. Police officers respond to the scene and take him to the hospital for suspected drug overdose. 
While they're at the hospital, police find out there's multiple warrants out for Jackson's arrest, including charges of domestic violence, assault, and illegal weapons possession by a felon. So he's a felon who's now wanted on several warrants. Inside the hospital, they find out that he has a gun in his pants and bullets in his pockets. A struggle over the gun ensues. The gun comes, uh, the gun goes off, but no one is hit. Jackson keeps his uh, gun and uh, holds it for a three minute standoff. In those three minutes, uh, he was ordered 85 times by police officers to put the gun down and put his hands on his head. The officer then tries to tase him. Jackson fires a shot at the officers. They shoot and kill him. Does that sound like a bunch of white officers that were gone that had gone crazy? In March, 43-year-old uh, Andrew Teague wanted for attempting to shoot his brother. Wanted for attempting to shoot his brother. His rap sheet also included arrest for weapons possession, domestic violence, burglary, and drug trafficking. You would think the oh-so-compassionate left would care that so many people that are shot by police have warrants out for their arrest for domestic violence but no 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 columbus police attempted to pull him over but teague sped away starts driving recklessly so a columbia uh, or a columbus police helicopter unit takes over the pursuit they follow him for an hour an officer tries to pull teague over on the intercept so teague decides to cross the median and drives into oncoming traffic, hits two other vehicles head-on. He gets out of his car and starts firing his gun at police. Police then shot him. Did, did NPR think that none of these details were relevant? This is what you need to know about the corporate media. All they want you to hear is that Columbus police have killed five black people in less than a year. It's unfair completely dishonest and dangerous it is dangerous extremely irresponsible stay away from the corporate media all right our sponsor this half hour is rec tech uh, let me tell you about rec tech i think i think you are allowed to cook vegetables on the red rec tech i do i do uh, now, before the hate mail starts piling in, let me explain. Plenty of room on the surface of the Rectech to cook vegetables, you know, just off to the side. And there's a big, juicy steak there. Your hamburgers, pork chops, chicken breasts, ribs, all slathered in barbecue sauce. And then, you know, kale or whatever the hell you want to put on the other side. It's yummy, I'm sure. It's one of the things I like about the uh, Rectech. It has got a ton of surface, and you can cook anything. You can bake in a Rectech. It holds its temperature. It's all uh, sm- it's a smart uh, device, so you can connect it to your phone. You set the temperature. You can be even wave from the house and say, "Hey, I need to set the temperature or pre-warm the Rectech." It'll start up, and when you're ready to go, it's ready to go. It's sturdy. It's smart. It's dinner time. It's a Rectech. Check them out for yourself now. Go to Rectech.com. That's R-E-C-T-E-Q. R-E-C-T-E-Q dot com. Rectech dot com.
the Glenn Beck Program. I'm not going to be able to get to the Great Reset thing. It's really, really important. Uh, we'll do that first thing Monday. Uh, something you really need to know, but I need more than a minute. So, Stu, you got your show yet you're doing tonight. I'm doing another show for Blaze TV subscribers. You getting drunk tonight for this show? Is- <laughs> no, it's not an every... It was our 250th episode. I know, but this is the first show of the next 250. I mean, I... Uh, and if you're going to be an alcoholic, you got to think, man. You <laughs> you're convincing think. me. Uh, it's yeah. up on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> YouTube.com slash Stu Does America. We had... It was me, Chad Prather, Sarah Gonzalez, who, by the way, drank just as much as us, even though she was supposed to be the sober co-host. Uh, Spencer Corson, and Jason Buttrell, we all sat around and t- attempted to talk about issues while doing one shot of beer per minute for 60 minutes. And it starts out relatively coherent. And by the end, it's it's a total mess. And people, you know, people love it. It's one of the most popular things we've posted. <laughs> but like, I just... they want to be drunk right? all day long. And they like, I think, doing it with you, you know, yeah. at home. Yeah, yeah, but like, yeah, you yeah. look at the video and, and, and it's like, wow, it's doing really well. Maybe I should do it once a month. I can't physically do it. It's it. I am too old to do... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's supposed to be for college kids do power hours, yeah, not yeah, idiots yeah. like us, which I yeah, guess is part yeah. of the charm of it. <laughs> but it was a mess. Uh, a lot of fun, but a mess. Go check it out if you have. Uh, if you want to drink along with us, you can still do it yeah. on YouTube. We'll see you tonight, 5 o'clock on Blaze TV. This is the Glenn Beck Program.